Our second scripture reading comes also from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. He was praying in a certain place. And after he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who searches finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Friends, stories are powerful things. Stories can teach us. They can make us laugh. They can make us cry. They can move us. Recently at a Presbytery event, I went and heard a speaker talking about stewardship. And he was talking about a type of budget called the narrative budget, where instead of just being a bunch of line items, you tell the story behind each line item. And he said he started doing this. He always thought it was a terrible idea because so many of a church's line items are boring. Insurance. Electricity. Water. He said, but his mind changed in November 2001 when he was a pastor at a church in Manhattan. He said two, just two months previously had been the events of September 11th. And this was their first session meeting since those terrible events. And it came time to look at the budget. And as they're going over their expenditures, they noticed their, their electricity was four times as high as it always been. And they realized they were not going to meet their budget. And one of the elders asked, why is our electricity so high? But then another elder said, it's because we have been open 24-7 since September 11th. 
Because we've welcomed people who've become homeless into our church. Because we've had people here to pray, people to counsel, people to just be there. Because we've had people that have nowhere else to go coming and just charging their cell phones and their laptops. And the speaker said, at that point, I realized that electricity is not just something that's boring. But that everything we do, everything we pay, goes into helping us do the ministry of Jesus Christ. Even things like insurance and electricity. Stories have power. For the next three weeks as we discuss stewardship, we're going to explore it through the stories that Jesus Christ told. Because Jesus taught through stories. He taught through parables. And so we'll be looking at stewardship through the lens of parables. And I'll be honest, this week as I start working on this sermon and looking at the parable for today, I start thinking, what was I thinking? I picked this parable a month ago, and it's a very difficult parable. Jesus says, suppose a friend comes to you in the middle of the night, and they come to stay with you, and you have no food to give them. Now, in this culture, any time you had someone come to your house, any time you had a guest, it was considered incredibly rude not to give them some bread, some wine, something to eat and drink. So you find yourself in this terrible situation. So you go next door to your neighbor and knock on the door and say, friend, give me some bread, some wine so I could feed my guest. But you hear a voice from inside saying, go away. It's the middle of the night. My door is locked. My children are in bed with me. I'm trying to sleep. Scram. And I'll be honest, I completely understand what the friend is thinking. If someone knocks on my door or rings my doorbell in the middle of the night, it better be an emergency. There better be something terribly wrong. Because that's going to be my first thought. If the phone rings, if the doorbell goes off in the middle of the night, I think someone's died, someone's in danger. There's some kind of imminent tragedy. And if it's my doorbell, I will probably answer holding a bat or some kind of weapon just in case. But this man went to his neighbor and rang the doorbell. It'd be like your next door neighbor coming at two in the morning saying, I'm making some cookies and I'm out of sugar. I know the giant is closed and Safeway is closed. Can I borrow a cup of sugar? You wouldn't respond too well. And Jesus goes on to say that that man won't help him because he's a friend. But if you persist, he will help you to get him to leave you alone. What kind of message is that? If you knock on your door and your neighbor's door and they say, go away, I'm sleeping, keep on knocking. They'll get up eventually. Either that or you'll wake up the baby and the baby will start crying and then they'll have to get up. You'll get your bread and wine, if nothing, to get rid of you. And Jesus says that's how we should be with God. If we're persistent with our neighbor, think how much more we'll get if we're persistent with God. And anyone who knocks, the door will be open. Anyone who seeks, they will find. Anyone who asks will receive. What do we do with that? Are we to pester God continuously? 
And what do we do with Jesus' statement that anyone who asks will receive? We know that's not true. Is the person who's been looking for a job for months and months and is on the verge of losing their home and their family, are they receiving? What about the people in the South Carolina who lost their homes to the flooding in the last week, lost everything they own, lost precious memories they could never get back? Have they received? What about Jesus himself when in the garden he said, Lord, take this cup from my hand? Or Paul when he prayed, Lord, take this thorn from my side? They didn't receive either. So what do we do with this? Do we just throw it all out the window? Do we assume that those people aren't persistent enough? I think it's important that we look at this parable in the context of the greater text. There's a danger to taking select passages, select verses out of context and trying to interpret them. Because if we read the whole passage, starting with chapter 11, the disciples go to Jesus and say, Lord, teach me to pray like John taught his disciples. And Jesus began Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us this bread, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into the time of trial. Jesus goes right from teaching this prayer to telling this parable. So we have to assume that they're related. And how does that prayer start? Lord, hallowed be thy name. May your name be holy. May your name be glorified. And may your kingdom come. In the years since, we've added on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where this all starts with. That all that we ask for All that we pray for, all that we request should go into those things. Glorifying God's name and furthering God's kingdom here on earth. Several years ago, there was a book that became very popular, The Prayer of Jabez. Did any of you read that book or do you remember that book? It takes one verse from 1 Chronicles about a man named Jabez who asked that God increased his land, and God did. And the whole book was saying that we should pray this prayer so that God will give us whatever we want, so that God will increase our belongings, our property, our net worth. And that's not what prayer is about. God doesn't simply give us things, but God gives us things to use. God gives us tools that we can use to glorify God's name, to further God's kingdom. And when our will is in line with God's, then if we ask, we will receive. If what we're asking for is we're asking to use to further God's kingdom, to glorify God's name, then we knock and the door will be opened. But what do we do with the pestering? 
Should we ask God over and over again? God, I really want a new computer so I can write my sermons faster. God, I really want a new computer so I can write my sermons faster. God, I really, over and over again, and a new computer will not help me write my sermons faster. I'm just using that as an example. And I don't want a new computer, but that's beside the point. I'm just using as an example. I think it's more the way we pray. When we pray, so often we think of prayer as adding a, giving a wish list to God, of asking God for favors. God, heal my cousin. God, help me do well on this test. God, help me win the lottery. God, do this. God, do that. But if we think of prayer as a conversation, if we think of prayer as a dialogue, if we think of prayer as a way of drawing ourselves in closer to God, then we see where persistence could be helpful, could be necessary. Because the more we pray, the more we draw closer to God. The more we pray, the more our relationship with God deepens. So we want to be persistent. We want to go to God again and again in prayer. So often in this country, when we pray, we do it as a one-time event. God, heal this person. God, take care of this. And then we stop. But when we go to God over and over again, our will becomes in line with God. And then all that we're given all that we receive, we can use to glorify God's name and to further God's kingdom. I believe that's why Jesus taught this parable so close to this prayer, why they're so connected. And as we enter into stewardship season, we should remember that. But we should remember it year-round. That whatever we receive, whatever we're given, we're to use to glorify God's name, to further God's kingdom. After all, that's why we come together as a community of believers. That's why we come together as a church to draw closer to God, to worship God, to glorify God's name, and to further God's mission and ministry. We have to begin with prayer. We have to begin with that which we have and using all that we have to glorify God's name and to further God's kingdom. Amen.